baby Today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw But it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80 It's the gold Did yeah, you hit it on one Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 This is episode 60 of the Break 80 Podcast. Stouts here, joined by short-sighted Mike, top 100 Tim. These two went south this past week. I went north. We meet back in the middle. Let's get it going. How was the weekend, boys? Uh, episode 60 with Sepp Straka. Should have shot with a par on 18 instead of the double bogey he took, but still won. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking that he couldn't be Mr. 59, along with... Uh, the list that happened yesterday couldn't add to it. Or last yesterday, week, last week. Yep. Well, they're all the running par- together, Mike. We've been so darn busy. I know the par on seventeen. After being out there and watching these guys on seventeen, like all birdie, it was kind of egregious. It's like three wood, three wood, just up by the green chip in a putt. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tim's hometown. You know, we pulled into Davin. We pulled into Davenport. Uh, Tim didn't kill us on the highway. We'll get to that maybe story at the end of the at the end of the of the weekend here, but uh, didn't kill us on the way down somehow. Um, although I will say, I was it I eighty Tim. Yeah, I eighty. Yep, typical I eighty. Worst stretch of highway in America, possibly horrendous. Just sitting behind semis, nobody's moving, nobody slow vehicles in the left lane. What a terrible, shitty highway. Man, it's yep. bad. Yep, um, that's where you learn to drive aggressive, right there, folks. You got to get around those trucks. You can't let the semi in in front of you. You got to yourself. Yeah, we pulled into Davenport. I expected kind of a gritty, gritty town. Tim never told everybody that's it's a kind of hipsterish downtown. Hipster it, vibe. It, it got nice. It got really nice. If you would have come by about oh, I don't know eight ten years ago. There was about a third of, of what you saw down there right now. It was pretty pretty dead, and some of the old Davenport was still there with the dives. But I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you liked it because we went to some nice we went to some nice places downtown. We did. We had some drinks. We had some food downtown, and then in the morning we got up and took the Lexus cur- media courtesy rides out to the golf course. It's tough with all these credentials, folks. The uh, the life of luxury with our our comped breakfasts and all the diet cokes you can drink and oh my uh, God. some of some of the under ropes access that you get. I drank nothing but caffeine and booze for like two days straight. It's bad. Um but yeah, we drove by you come in, you pull in there to the TPC Deer Run and you go by like it's like tractor hill at the state far at the state fair here in Minnesota, you know that one area with all the tractors. They got them all lined up right coming in. It doesn't look like you're going to a golf tournament. It looks like you go into the state fair. And then you get to the golf course, and I will, I will apologize to Tim. Um, it's not a bad golf course. It actually yes. has, yes. Uh, I wouldn't call it great by any stretch, but it isn't as um, it has better land, I think, than probably a decent amount of TPCs do. It's got pretty good elevation. Holy shit, it's got some hills up and down. 
That's not it is nearly a better, as flat. It is a better TPC course than most because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of non-TPC courses that the tour goes to, and they obviously have the better land, the better designer. They're not necessarily Bobby Weed. They're not just throwing some staff architect at a piece of land that they just bought, and they're trying to bring people in on the namesake. No, this is it's good land. It's a it's a it's a good course if you remove the Murfields and you remove remove some of the the higher level courses out there that are are older and have great great land greenbrier right things like that i think deer runs one of the the top tpc owned properties yeah it's pretty decent and and i think um well they got rain so the golf course was soft so those guys tore it up you know which they're going to do all the time with the south golf course basically but yeah it was a good time incredibly close access to the players like at the driving range and the putting green for fans and everything like not just us with the media credentials you could walk like right next to where they're where they're hitting range balls and putting it's uh it's quite amazing i know i was in awe on saturday morning we got out there we spent most of our time on the range you know trying to make some connections talk to some people and whatever and I sat there and watched Chris Kirk take like five golf balls. You know, he's kind of greenside chipping and drop them and then take his wedge and like stamp them down. So they're sitting down in this thick, thick rough. I mean, it was thick. It was healthy. And then open the face up and flop like all five to like within two feet. And I was like, oh, my God, these guys are so good. It's, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> Crazy. So the, so the listeners know. So the listeners know on the absolute the other side, maybe 30 yards away from where he is stamping these golf balls down on the other side of the green is the full lot of the Lexus. Yeah, all the courtesy vehicles. cars. <laughs> all of them are right there. And he's there stamping golf balls down, just taking these massive swing flop shots onto the green. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, my my butt cheeks clenched, just going, "Oh man, I, I would have put two right into a windshield of one of those Lexuses." Although we did, we did witness Nick Hardy absolutely blade a sand shot on Sunday practicing and almost kill a worker sitting in a chair. <laughs> just was he shame. ever nice though? Was he ever nice? He walks up, they have a laugh together, like pats him on the shoulders, like, "Oh, <laughs> hopefully today goes better." But, so when uh, you guys are on the when you guys are on the range, like you'd always say, "Oh, that, it comes off that guy's bat different or that club different." Anybody like, "Wow, watching this guy hit balls is." Yes, I was going to bring this up. So I spent a lot of time. We we watched Cameron Young, of course, because I just in love with the golf swing. Just I just I can't. The amount of athleticism he must possess, you know, just to be able to do that golf swing, is. Uh, to me off the charts. Like, I, I don't know. I've tried, I can't figure it out. I tried talking to his father on the golf course. Actually. I tried talking to his dad, just trying to get a little access. Dad was, dad was not having, he was, let's put it. He was locked in. He had a job to yes. do. Didn't want to talk about sleepy hollow. Didn't, didn't want to yeah. come out of the box that he was in. He I was hoping, in the box, Jeff. I was hoping to get, a, I was trying to <laughs> try, hoping to get an interview lined up with the zoom to get the synergy of how this golf swing came about. But dad was not having any of it. He was, He's the coach. He's Cam Young's coach. He was locked in. Um, Cam Young smoked it. Um, we sat there for a while and watched Gordon Sargent um, just hammer up, talk to Gordon Sargent's dad. That's kind of cool. Who's a great player, by the way. I looked it up. Gordon Sargent's dad 
it's like a plus two handicap who's played in like the crump cup at pine valley and stuff so really good player himself um he kills it uh nice guy Ash too Cake, very nice guy yeah ash cake hits it pretty good uh one thing that cameron all three champ the, cameron champ, champ. His, one thing that's two iron just crazy yeah the sound is different but one thing oh. like one thing batia and cam young and gordon Sargent all have in common with timothy is they're the same size as tim, tim, <laughs> tim at, at, at what after watching cam young tim had to finally admit he's like man cam young actually not any bigger than me i'm like yeah he's not we're putting a lot of holes in your theory uh today um but then you go and you watch like zach johnson who hits it no farther than we do Probably, I bet you I hit it farther than Zach Johnson. I bet you 100%. hit it further. There's not you even, hit it further than Zach Johnson. You know, and it's he also just hits like kind of a floater. <laughs> he's yeah, got he's he, got a little longer than me, but it, it kind of just he hits kind out of there, a floater. Yeah. And it's like then you sit there and you watch him. You know, we watched a few tee shots. He'll hit a draw when he needs to, but it's like holy shit. And you think about it, that guy is going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's won two majors. At his height, there. His wedge game, and we, and we know it's good, obviously, but it must be like otherworldly to be able to compete with those guys at his distance is unbelievable. Um, because he's not long at all, at all. Um, yeah, they're just, I don't know. Then you watch how long they're, you know, it's, they're out there two hours before they're around 11 putting. They putt forever. They put the mirrors down, you know, they do all that stuff and they just, they grind. Um, I think that's then, what surprised and, me the most was was just the time they spent on putting. So not only yes. did they have the mirrors, but they had the levels. So oh yeah, a lot of guys, those, a lot of guys doing the aim point levels, you know, the digital level, trying to figure out practice their their you know aim points. All the degree is whatever fingers you hold up and all that stuff. You know, trying to figure all that stuff. A lot of time spent. Ludwig, Ludwig was an aim point guy. He had the he had the level out. He he was out there for ages too, like uh, make, making sure that he was feeling it right. So he put his feet down, he'd kind of get a gauge, he'd put a finger up, then he'd put the level down and it'd give him a digital read on, on what the degree was and go back and check. And then he'd push it away with his putter and he'd go putt it. And then if he missed it, he'd look frustrated, put the level back a little bit different space, check it, go back, push it away, putt again. So just the time out there on putting, which gave me an idea. I am buying a level for our trip we'll probably talk about later i have uh, i have i have a digital level pack it up baby that's coming right onto the green with me every green well, which is a, which highly illegal, illegal. we're not it's this in a usga sanctioned we'll talk, event we'll Mike, talk about our ma- you. we'll talk about our matches and how how disappointed i am with the general public and their voting just ridiculous but anyway um and then the one thing that I was amazed by and just how much these guys grind Tim's pick to win for whatever reason, Sean O'Hare was like dead last. He was there on Sunday, but he was there. And so was Cameron Piercy. You know, some of these guys that are way at the bottom, you know, bottom of the list, just trying to hang on out there, miss the cut. And they're out there Saturday, Sunday on the driving range, putting, chipping, practicing Cameron Piercy was hitting balls for like three hours on the driving range with, with all kinds of contraptions. You know, they have all the, they have all the, uh, well, he was just using a yardage or like um, alignment sticks, but a lot of guys with, with, you know, different kind of contraptions, swing, swing aids and all that. But 
the amount of time the guys who missed the cut, you know, I suppose they didn't have flight till Sunday. We're just out there grinding was crazy to me. Yeah. You wonder like, you know, they're, they're trying to repetition something so much that it just naturally in their swing. But I think we all know that that's really difficult to do, like take range swings and apply it to real life golf. But I think if anybody can do it, it's these professionals. Yeah. What all did we see out there? We saw Harry Higgs with the uh, in between the forearms ball. The ball, right? yeah. Eric Cole had the same thing. Yep. And then we saw that elbow stop, and we're still not sure what that elbow stop was for, but yeah, it, Rich, it fit Richie in there. Wierenski. Yeah. Yep. We talked we talked to Jeff Ogilvy a bit about the golf course coming to Minnesota. That's a go now, Tepatanka. He said it's a great piece of land, so it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lots of contraptions, lots of guys working on stuff. Um, yeah, Great I, don't place. Know. I think the range is a hidden gem though. The range for someone that's it's coming great. to the PGA tour for the first time, maybe it's even your second time, but you haven't gone up to, to the range area, especially if it's close TPC twin cities is a little different depending on where they put the box for the range. But it can kind of be that place where players break out of their shell a little bit, so long as it's early in their warm-up. Towards the later portions, they're not going to be talking to folks. They're going to be trying to, like, mentally dial in. But if you get someone, like, kind of early, the caddy hasn't brought the balls out yet, uh, they haven't really started getting through some of their repetition, um, can be kind of a fun place to, to meet and greet, almost. And then obviously you have at the very end of the tournament where guys take their, their circle back out, but then you're really competing with the rest of the fans that want attention as well. So spend some time at the range. It's fun. Colt Nost, uh, Colt Nost did confirm with me that our guy, John was indeed a, a mini tour legend for being a hothead. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. As, well, far, as far as the, the golf tournament, huh? Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about the golf tournament. Let's talk about the results. I, I think, you know, you guys mentioned, you know, that Sepp Straka lightning watch, lights out on Sunday, but. We didn't watch a lot of Sepp Straka, really, to be honest. We had to leave early Sunday to go to Cedar Rapids Country Club. But um, who did we follow? We followed the group with uh, Thorbjörnsson, the amateur, played really well. Um, uh, oh, Ryan Gerard again, because of Will. That, that'll be coming out this week later on, his, his, his caddy. Uh, we watched those guys a bit. We talked to our guy, Andrew Novak, hit a sick shot. One of the best shots I, up and downs I've seen in a long time for birdie. Um, yeah, I think Straka won. Brendan Todd, what, second? Uh, Alex Smalley played uh, well. You guys had talked quite a bit, or at least a little bit, to um, – so Adam Shank was one of the kind of the favorites going in, and his daddy is a Minnesota um, kid yep. uh, and family, yeah, so yeah. you guys talked to them? Yeah, we talked yeah. to him. I think at some point point in time we'll add him to the caddy chronicles interview probably um adam shank had another good another good event very good um, very good and he was paired with uh with michael yeah that round eh? yep and um that name i can't pronounce you can you can Thorbjörnsen. there we go that yeah, word good, a- good amateur um, but he's Hootenhausen, you know uh, he missed the cut my guy yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> trying to think what else you know realistically i really thought going into sunday danny was the favorite you know he was back at one shot back he did not play well on sunday really he didn't hit it well but i'm still going to throw this out there that he should be in serious serious consideration for the Ryder cup because he had another top 10 finish 
there are not many guys in the last like few months that have played better than Danny McCarthy. He's been really good. Uh, he played with Zach Johnson. We watched him on a, we watched him on a, a one hole there, but his putting stats for the year are he's third overall in putting. And the guys that are first and second are Maverick McNeely and um, Taylor Montgomery, who's been awful since the hot start at the beginning of the year. But those guys like ball striking stats are way worse than Denny's. So they're chipping more, you know, their proximity is closer. So Denny McCarthy at third is easily the best putter out there. Um, He's number one inside 10 feet on tour. Nobody's better. Uh, His one putt percentage, he's 14th, which is really good considering his ball striking stats are pretty good. You know, he's not chipping it close than one putting. Uh, he only, this is insane because I had 38, like 37 or 38 fucking putts at Cedar Rapids. He's averaging 28.3 putts per round for 18 holes, 28, 28 putts around. That can is I, his average I, for the year. What is his average? Do, do you, do you have on hand how many like green regulations he hits on average? Uh, I can look it up quick. I'll just be talk. curious on, you know, if he, if he makes, you know, on average 28 putts, I'm take, really interested take in it away. Talk for a few minutes. Let me look it up. Jeez. I mean, if, if I average 28 putts, I currently average 33.2 putts. I would suddenly be a plus two on stats. I mean, that is, that's a ridiculously low amount of putts. And I don't, if that's proximity to the hole, if that's great chipping in hands, that's, that's amazing. Um, and Mike had to watch me putt, unfortunately, which he was trying to correct a, a, a stroke <laughs> that is just in shambles. I, I don't even know how to hold a putter. I, I went back to the wedge there towards the end of the, the weekend. I, and I think the big difference between Benny McCarthy with 28 putts and us is the fact that we're having, we should in theory have a lot less putts because we're missing more greens. Yeah. We're getting more chances for up and downs. And that's our one putt versus making a putt for birdie, you know, kind of the difference there. So Denny McCarthy is 53rd on tour in greens and regulation percentage at 67 point something percent. So, you know, he's, he's had, he has 28 putts when he's hitting over two thirds of the greens, which is pretty, which is pretty impressive. He can really putt. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep uh, hammering on the, on the table here for Denny to be on that Ryder cup team, because he's, I still, I still ascertain that, Having somebody that can really putt and you're playing against them is absolutely painful because you're sitting there the whole time just knowing he's going to make everything, which is a pain in the ass. You know, what's more painful is doing an entire course vlog with you. Well, with me too. Let's be honest. It was both of us. Jeff wasn't there at Davenport Country Club. Beautiful course. But yeah. watching almost no putts go in. It was a bear. Like holding the bad. camera for I all have... of these putts that were nowhere close. I have a, uh, I have a, I'm going to do like a uh, stages of grief <laughs> of Tim's putting. I got a bunch of reactions um, from him, but then I tried to show him I'm like, Tim, watch these pros putt on the practice screen and then watch how you hold the putter. It's like, it's like way out. It's like with a weird bone wrist. And I'm like, look at them. They have like a straight line from their arm down to the putter. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at the at the things here. You got we got to talk about my boy Ludwig Aberg, sixty three on on uh, Sunday. He really was basically a even a half ass decent Saturday round away from right being possibly winning this tournament. 
he shot 71 on Saturday, uh, which isn't very good out there, but he's a, just a stud. He's an absolute dude. He drives. I watched him hit driver. He just freaking hits it straight, pumps it. Um, you know, like I posted on social media, he was listening to the pod while he's putting with his headphones on. He's listening to Jeff bag on him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to show, I'm going to show this guy this week that I can do this. And he went right out there and pumped a 63 on Saturday to get a T four and make $333,000. And again, I, when it comes to Ryder cup stuff, I think that he has to be in the conversation. How can he not? He's played four events. He's made every cut. He's, he's shown he can make a shitload of birdies. Uh, and the European team at the bottom isn't, uh, you know, that great. I mean, Straka, I'm guessing that win might put Seb Straka on the Ryder Cup team. There's a very high likelihood it does because he's won twice now within this two-year cycle. I think was he went last, was it last year, Honda, he won? I think it was when Shane Lowry kind of folded. So he's won twice now in this Ryder Cup uh, cycle, even though – He's incredibly inconsistent. Like he'll go in a couple of weeks and play well, and then you won't hear about him for a month. And um, yeah, I don't know. Who else do we up there? Shank with another good finish. Cameron Young really kind of faded on the weekend. Lucas Glover kind of faded. Oh, love Lucas. Yeah, he was out there grinding on the putt. Does his wife love him? I mean, he, I guess he didn't necessarily fade. He just shot like he went, he shot 60. It sounds terrible to say fair. He went 69, 65, 66, 68. And that was T6. Um, you know what I what I was thinking about for the pod? William Mao, Pepperdine kid. First professional start, T13. I wonder if we can get him and Hitchner both on the pod together. Pepperdine so they boys? Were, they were college teammates. And I don't know if William Mao will play in the 3M. I'm guessing it would have to be a... Unless it's the PGA Tour U thing where he has exemption the rest of the year, um, that'd be a fun pot if we can get them both on here. Which we also had some interesting insight on the PGA Tour U. It sounds like guys kind of electing to uh, to stay on that tour, Mike. Yeah, yeah. talking with um, Gordon Sargent's dad. Yeah, I think he was like, you know, the PGA Tour U has kind of changed it a little bit where guys might – just stay in college instead of turning pro because if you can get it, if you can get that PGA tour, U exemption, you get all kinds of PGA tour events, you know, which you normally wouldn't get, <coughs> which is a big deal to get to, you know, a bunch of events there other than trying to bounce around get exemptions and play Canadian tour corn free or whatever. So sounded like the, you know, the PGA tour has done the right thing there maybe. Um, by doing that, trying to keep get get some of these young guys a, a more direct route to the PGA Tour, like a Ludwig Aberg, you know, he might not have played all these events if if they didn't have that. So, um, sounded like that was a big positive from what I could gather. Not only that, too, they can continue to take NIL money. So there's yep. there's on one hand having to maybe even grind through Monday qualifiers if they don't come out ranked enough, uh, or there's stay in college, take NIL and, and go the route of the uh, PGA tour. You. Yeah, what is the top? How many, how many people make that? What is the top? I thought top it was five, six, maybe or something like that. Okay. They had, I can't oh. remember. Um, it is the one thing I wanted to, that I thought was kind of funny or I guess not funny, but interesting is you can really tell probably the guys who are kind of fighting it as well, because Kramer Hickok was one of the last ones on the range Saturday night out there pretty late when Tim and I were out there. 
working on stuff. And then he ended up taking dead last of the guys who made the cut. So he's, you know, he's probably fighting it a little bit, trying to figure some things out, um, out there, but yeah, it was good. You know, the media access is great. Um, get to go in and out in, in all the room and get some whatever diet Cokes and food. And we did go, Tim did get one victory over me this weekend in, in the Lexus closest to the pin challenge. Uh, <laughs> right before we left on Sunday. And I think the, that counts. Uh, simulator he uh 42 one and two oh right yeah right first of all it's like a 96 <laughs> yard shot they give you this sand wedge that literally was like holding on to i don't a even fish? know a, a fish it was so slippery it was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um but yeah tim tim hit a dagger they're like seven feet six inches did you ever hear from them if you got whatever? I haven't, haven't seen an email. I'm assuming that out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that went in there, someone was either <laughs> slightly better than me or a little bit luckier. Well, the first day, one feet set, one foot seven inches was the closest. So. Yeah, man. God, what what would the podcast do with $500 to TPC Deer Run? I don't know. We'd be going down for another, some more golf. Um, yeah, yeah. But other, overall, the, uh, the, the tour event part was great. And we played... Uh, Two absolutely fantastic golf courses um, and two actually quite different golf courses, really, to be mm-hmm. honest. They both had they both had really good land. Uh, Davenport Country Club is a golf. Which publication is the top 100, Tim? Golf Digest or Golf Week? Maybe? I believe it's Golf Week. It's a top 100 overall. So that's public and private. It was like 95. Uh, really good. Good land. Lots of elevation. Has a real like brookline feel to it on a few holes with like rock outcroppings and things like that and i thought um of the golf courses i've played which you know isn't like i've played this incredible set but a lot of good ones i think the last three holes at davenport are right up there with any you know that really good 16 17 and 18 um at davenport cc but yeah that was a really good club uh i was thoroughly impressed with the golf course i think it might have been my first colton allison design too i'm trying to yeah to me think too back probably because there's not that many here but for the listeners well where was lacc colt allison so we had a chance to see a little no, bit LAC, of, lacc is uh um, it was no it's um it's charles uh Whatever that uh, name is, the guy that did all the guy that did Riviera and um, some other ones. The guy that did all the California ones. Camera's last name now. It's, it's escaping me. Um, but, uh, George uh, Thomas. Ah, yeah, darn. Or George Thomas. Yeah, not George. George. Yeah. Ah, oh, my my apologies, listeners. Anyway, but uh, uh, there's a great if you want a YouTube. Uh, Fred Egg did like a four or five minute uh, flyover and talk about. Um, Davenport Country Club, really good. It was an absolute fantastic golf course. And then we also played Cedar Rapids Country Club, which to me was, uh, it's not ranked as high, but I think the fun factor is probably even higher. Like just crazy, some up and down holes. You get some run out, absolutely spectacular bunkering. Um like every hole had some sort of, uh, you know, bunkering that just looked amazing. Uh, if you if you watched our social media stuff, we posted a bunch of crap on that, and I'll, I'll post something at some point in time with a little bit of a write up. But 
Um, yeah, the bunk room was amazing. That's an old Donald Ross, the only Donald Ross in Iowa, I think. They've taken down, well, they've taken down, and the and the wind has taken down like over 2,000 trees in the last decade. So it's really wide open and uh, absolutely amazing piece of land right there at um, Cedar Rapids Country Club. And a great story about their member logo, which we couldn't buy because we're not members. I will a- take I will take this one. So the one of the original founding members out there. Uh, let me see if I can't. He was a Find Quaker Oats name. guy. He was he was the owner of Quaker Oats at the time, but he was on the Titanic. And as the elite, you could you could elect to go off of the Titanic on one of the uh, the rowboats, one of the safety boats. And he said he would not be a gentleman if he elected to get onto one of these boats before women and children. So he stayed on the Titanic. And went down with the ship. So their member only logo is I, I gotta say it's something a legend. I that is a, a phenomenal logo anyway. Yeah, great, but great logo. It is a rowboat to commemorate him not taking the rowboat, the yeah. easy way out. And but we were uh, not, we, story. we were not allowed to purchase anything with that with that with that no, logo. No, no. But uh yeah, no, um real classic like clubhouse. Um, I have not played like some of the Southern Pines, you know, area courses, but uh, at least I've seen a lot of video from that sandy area around North Carolina. It had to me just like having seen pictures and video, it, it kind of has that kind of vibe to it. Really big bunkering and, uh, uh, pretty awesome place. Cedar Rapids country club. Yep. So Cedar Rapids, uh, has quite a bit of elevation on the front nine yeah and they really mix in big bunkering through the entirety of the course as its major defense as the rough is usually cut down the greens themselves are raised usually either singly sloped maybe two tiers of of different slope um but with just interesting topography through the front and then even bigger more spread out bunkers on the back and a very, very, very classic design that I would agree, especially the front nine. And then into 10 feels a lot like Southern Pines with just the ups and downs. And I think number two encapsulates kind of the, the topography difference the best. Yeah, I, uh, my two iron went 380 yards uh, down a hill, which is just insane. Um, but I think uh, Cedar Rapids Country Club is a good, golf course you could play every day and i don't know you know i don't say this about many golf courses i get bored really easily you could play a lot of rounds there before you get really bored that was a really fun uh fun golf course now we got to talk about this instagram people who voted tim was tim was one up through 10 holes at davenport country club and i put a poll out there will this be the day uh after tim flushed a nice hybrid onto uh uh whatever hold 10 par 3 50 at the time i don't know what i don't know being 54% said yes this is the day he's going to beat me do you people not know any better like what is what is going on right now immediately after that i birdied the next hole and then from there we should, t- we huh? should tell the people too I, we should probably tell the people i'm playing straight up Mike has four shots on me every time we go out. 
based on handicaps. No, not anymore. My handy is just just ballooning. That is like, your own fault. That is your own fault. this summer. It's just, it's just going straight up. It's like a rocket ship up into the, you know, whatever. The one playing with, playing with me and Jeff too. Much, you and Dogecoin are going to the moon. <laughs> yeah, we're going to the moon <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. Just can't do anything. Can't make a putt to save my soul. Uh, but uh, Tim had made six pars. In, Tim made six pars in a row at one point. But the other twelve holes a real, real struggle, real, real test of uh, of mentality. And as you saw on, on my Instagram story, when he hit the straight left pull off the tree, a couple holes later, that was pretty much the end of it. <laughs> I did, I did. Oh, I hit the corner of the green. I, I had to go three wood, three wood on that part. Driver five. three wood, Driver, three wood, three wood, three wood. Because I think the first drive went forty yards, a generous forty yards. It almost went in the greenside bunker of the uh, the hole we had just played, um, but uh, hit the <laughs> hit a three wood down the the hole that we had just played because it was the best angle in line, and then had I think two fifty out and hit the very right corner that had this huge had to be forty foot runoff down the right side, and that that kind of put me out of contention. But hit that hit that corner at least. Good accuracy with the three wood. Maybe I should yeah. hit that off the tee. Two well struck three three woods. Just that one had Great. to be played down at fantastic. I mean, played down a parallel hole because he was he was by the green we had just finished, which was almost behind the tee box. I think I must have hit those two three woods to combine like five hundred and twenty yards. But my favorite to to end our story here and our end our adventure our journey. Uh, well. We could end it with that terrible audio book you were listening to, but. Um, oh God. Yeah. Expeditionary force. Craig Allen. We, we were going to stop at Godfather's pizza, which I cannot believe that <laughs> it's, it's, it was so really? good. Jeff. Oh it, yes. There's, there's Godfather's in Iowa. Apparently it's, it's based out of Iowa. Yeah. So on the way out, on the way down, we stopped at a gas station. There was a Godfather's like express had a little mini pizza. Great. <laughs> I mean, I, Back in the day, Minnesota, like all the smaller sized towns, had a Godfather's. Oh, for like sure. Like up north, up north, Bemidji had one. They all had Godfather's. They're all gone now, but Iowa's got them. So we, so on the way back, I said, I'm going. Tim wanted cases. I said, screw that. We're going to Godfather's again. It's great. So we, we pull into this gas station. I don't even know what's going on. I'm just like looking around. I get, I, I get out of the car because Tim's getting gas, and a sheriff tells me to get back in the car. <laughs> get back in the car and uh he's pulling tim over for speed as i'm at the gas pump as he's as he's pumping gas and i'm like how delayed is that though how, i don't understand he followed us in there i think and then the best here's the best part of the of the thing is you would have hoped it would have been nice if he could have came in with a 79. So Tim could have broke 80 at least once this weekend, but no, it was exactly, it was exactly 80. His lowest score of the week. Couldn't break 80 all week. Oh, funny. So did you get a ticket? No, no, nothing, nothing there. Just uh, the classic slowdown, you know, I'm, I have no idea where he sat either. So I couldn't yeah, tell you how fast bizarre. I was going. I'm going to be honest. That book was so good. Oh my so God. good. There was so, so much juicy action going so on in that bad. book. The dumbest that, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that I, I was so jacked up listening to that book and the plot. Jeff, that, Jeff uh, I, had, I had to listen the last two and a half hours to some audio book with like a bunch of aliens that are like 
that are like squids and beetles <laughs> who love to gamble. So they so they so they, they love to gamble and bet, and, and they're like fighting for the universe, but yet gambling like a bunch of degenerates. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm but did we die? Like, I'm picturing it kind of like the bar of uh, like uh, some one of the newer Star Wars. We walk yeah, into the yeah, bar like all those like. aliens, <laughs> yeah, just gambling in there. And the guy they hired to read the audio was trying to do like different voices for different like species. Oh my god, it was bad. Just hor- horrible. <laughs> Tim, what are you into? Don't worry, it's book fifteen. I'm on the last book. I have to find a whole new personality <laughs> and hobby after this one. So. <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like you guys had a good time. And uh, the other big tournament that happened this week, and I know a lot of us didn't get a chance to watch some of it. I was playing a tournament. You guys were pretty busy. Was the U.S. Women's um, Open that that was uh, out at Pebble, and it was fun to see them, uh, the women, get a chance to play Pebble in a, you know, high stakes event. And you know, it was a the week. It played very difficult. I mean, there was. I think at one time I heard something like seven girls broke par. I mean, it wasn't. That was um, about it in the finishing scores. Yeah. Yeah, there was not a lot of of uh, girls going low. I guess. I guess you know the the girl that won, Allison Corpus, I think is how you say that name. Uh, but she basically, I think, went under par all four rounds. I mean, she was very much the outlier. Uh, most of most of the field had a problem on one or the or two of the days. I mean, there was. Just so so tough golf. It was windy. You know, there's you know the pebble, um, pebble pebble breeze. I mean, it's really hard to judge and the small greens and things like that. So she came out, basically put it to rest. Uh, I I I really I watched the last round. I really had a fun time watching Charlie Hall play golf. I don't know what it is about her. Uber she aggressive. Just, like, she played so just, aggressive, and she just attacks that golf ball just violently. And um, it was fun watching her walk in putts and, and at least give it a give it a run. And, and it's, you, that's what you want on Sunday. You want something to kind of maybe post a score, they say, and see if somebody can hang on or. Um, but, uh, yeah, Allison Corpus was in uh, on all facets of her game. And it wasn't really uh, out of question as she steered the ship in pretty well. I guess there wasn't, you know, there wasn't much more drama other than that. And, and some of the big names, you know, some of them hung in there. Some of them weren't anywhere to be seen near the top of leaderboard. So. Anything that you guys remember from or or heard or watched or read? I didn't watch a lot of it. I, I did watch some replays and stuff today uh, when they were somewhere. I don't know. Uh, Charlie Hall putted with like reckless abandon. Like she was going, she was going to make putts. Like it wasn't like me out there just trying to leg it up there from 10 feet. So I had a, so I had a tap in, you know, she was hammering putts in like aggressive, which was fun to watch. She was amazing. Um, I think there was a there was a lot of concern by the golf uh, like media and you know social media people people that know their stuff about the setup. Um, Tim and I on the way down listened to uh, the fried egg, who's really big into golf course architecture, and and he was really giving it to the USGA about they narrowed the fairways so much. Um, and these women hit it so straight that they're still hitting the fairways. Like they hit it, like, like for the season, there was like, what do you say? Like 96 women that were like 70% or more in fairways hit. So you can narrow the fairways all you want. They're still going to hit the fairway, but what it's doing is it's taking away opportunities to attack fl- pin locations. You know, if they take a fairway where let's say there's a hole that has a front right pin 
and they narrow the fairway. So everybody's got to hit in these little areas. All these women are just going to hit it, you know, to the fat part of the green, and, and it's going to be a par fest for the, you know, if they're playing okay. His point was if they would have kept them the way it was, those women who hit it incredibly straight, like it's unbelievable. They could play up the left side of the fairway and then try to attack a flag stick that is front right sometimes um, and, and actually use some creativity and some strategy and make it more exciting. And they might make birdie, but they might make double bogey too by hitting it, you know, in, in a bad spot. So he was, he was kind of lambasting the, uh, the USGA. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you have really little greens at pebble and the women don't hit the same ball flight as the men. You know, it's much lower. They can't get to pin placements that the USGA sets up. So it just became kind of like a, like I was watching today. It's like, it's just like a par fest for when it, people that are playing well, just aren't making enough birdies because they, they couldn't, there was no availability 18. Like, why would you not make that reachable? on a Sunday so that if, if, if it came down to 18, somebody could try to maybe make it Eagle or whatever, nobody could get there in two. Like that's like, that's like, if you're trying to make this, you know, grow the game and make women's golf more popular, which you had a prime time West coast event. Don't you want people like making some birdies and, you know, not making golf look really difficult. Like, like they did kind of. Um, so yeah, I think there was a little bit of a, course setup kind of thing but i don't know i think women's golf really needs if they're if it's really going to go and get you know gain popularity which i think it is it's i think it's gaining more popularity and and the tv you know the majors are doing a better job they've raised the purses i think i think she won two million right i think charlie hall won a million bucks for second there was 11 million dollars in the purse so they've raised the money you know so that so there's more money there for these women to win uh, I think the TV coverage was pretty good from what I saw. You know, the, the replays I watched was really actually quite good. NBC did a pretty good job. I thought better than they have done. The drone footage was amazing at Pebble. You know, they did a good job. I think women's golf needs a dominant player. There's way too much, like, they need, like, they, what they really need, in my opinion, is they need Rose Zhang to really fulfill the promise and just go out there and really kick ass. Like, they mm-hmm. like they just need, like, or, uh, you know, I don't know, like uh, Nellie Corda, I know she's been hurt, or Lexi Thompson. They need somebody to be more dominant and just have a face to women's golf instead of, you know, just this different winner at every major. And nobody really seems to kind of, you know, take over kind of the way men's golf is with a few really dominant players, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, I know this isn't fair, but. Michelle, we had just the perfect window to become the dominant female player, and she's coming in right around the same time Tiger is. Everyone's watching golf, and and a lot of female golfers are trying to look up to someone, and there's Michelle Wee competing against men, doing decently well against men, um, and just not finding quite the success that she needs to on the LPGA. Um, But... Her last, uh, her last U.S. Open, uh, so that's that's memorable. And yeah, well, uh, until until Annika f- made a just a shit show of it on Friday with her penalty stroke, whatever. Just get the round over Annika, like Jesus. Let Michelle we have her day. She she ended with a, a sweet pot on eighteen. Yeah, made it. I, I will say this though, yeah, like yeah. I think I think there could be 
when I think about uh, the women having a dominant player, I think, um, you know, the women's game is like you were saying, it's like these women have some of, if not the best swings in all of golf. And they're just so automatic that if you're going to get a dominant girl that just comes in and wins a bunch of tournaments, I feel like they're going to have to have some sort of firepower, like where, whether it's length, um, whether it's being able to do something that all the other girls can't do, because at, right now, when you look at the golf, I mean, the, the stats that these girls put up, the greener regulations that they hit, the fairways that they hit, it's so high that, I mean, if you can putt decent, it could be anybody any week. I mean, yeah. these girls are just, you know, in the men's game, when guys get it going, it's because they are just murdering par fives. They are, you know, it, when you think of the the horsepower of a Rory or of a John Rahm or a, you know, you know, Scotty Scheffler just ball strikes differently and, and strokes gains, but it's just like these women's swings and, and their, their games are so similar. I think there's, you know, there's not a lot of differentiation in, um, you know, a lot of these statistics. And so that's why you get a lot of these very varied winners in a lot of tour events and, and majors. So I don't, it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't think that uh, the men's game is nef- necessarily that that spread out though. I think a lot of people come to median, but your major champions, your your Arnold Palmers, your Jack Nicholas's, your Tiger Woods were driving gods. I mean, they were so far past other competitors for their time that you just don't see that that distance difference within the, well, the, the girls mean, game. Lexi Thompson has maybe her window's passed now. I don't know. She hits it pretty good. She gets yeah. out there pretty far. She's had opportunities to win a few majors and she's putted poorly, you know, whatever. But yeah, they don't, there's not a lot, but um, I just think like, when was the last time on the men's tour, a no name kind of, not necessarily a no name, but an out of nowhere player won a major, like completely out of nowhere. Jason, Jason Duffner. Oh, Fitzpatrick was a big time. He was a top 25 player uh, in the world. Gary Woodland. Get, maybe yeah. he was known he had won but you know like i know but like what is it what, Gary, I, mean, we Gary won. I go i go back to like a more like a jason duffner um ben I, curtis kind of like really kind of it seems to me like in the women's game there's so much parody that we don't know a lot of these people unless you really really follow it on a weekly basis we don't know some of these players like this girl here that one or girl lady that won uh, as a girl was a phenom as a 10 year old. She qualified for the U S women's Publix as a 10 year old, the USJ Publix though, Carpoos. So as a girl, you know, younger than my daughter, who's going to be in sixth grade, I can't even put two and two together. She was playing in the U S women's Publix. So she was a phenom at a young age. She was like a two or three time all American at USC or something. Yet nobody really has heard of her until, you know, this week at the uh, U.S. Opens. I don't know. I just think from what it sounded like is Rose Zhang had a really big following out there. A lot of people followed her. I think she's the one that needs to take that, you know, mantle on. And I don't know if she can, you know, although I think she play, she had probably her C game and she was still like hovering around the top 10, wasn't she? She's that good. She, she's uh, her and one other um, girl have both finished top 10 in the two majors. Yes. You know, so she's that good and she did not play well here. So I don't know. Um, I, I do think they need, um, something they need somebody, somebody that's kind of that dominant and 
preferably somebody with charisma. You know, that would be even better, but um, they need somebody, you know, like remember when they had Annika and Kari Webb were kind of mm-hmm. battling it out. They had two really good players and they were always winning majors and there was like a little bit of drama there. They need something like that. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure the players are better than they've ever been. They just need um, a dominant force. You know, I, I think at one point, you know, we thought it could be Brooke Henderson, you know, she really puts a great move on the ball, you know, the old choke up on the driver and, and she puts a, a heavy hit into it. And then she's kind of, you know, fading and bounce back. So it's just, golf's just so hard that it's hard to be. That's why it's amazing what Scotty Scheffler is doing. It's like playing at that level for that long is really unheard of. And, and any, but it any, is. Am- yeah. So. It, it is amazing how straight they hit it. This uh, Carpoos, her fairways. I heard this today it's on a different podcast, but I'm guessing they checked it. I, I have not double checked this. For the season, she's hitting like over 80% of the fairways, which is <laughs> which is just like in the men's game. If you hit 50%, you're at the very top of like of like the tour. She has hit 80% of the fairways for the year. That's like uh, like mind-boggling to me. Um, but they do, they hit, they have so much rhythm in their swing, they hit so straight. Um, but it is a different game, like. I think it's in some ways, maybe even more artful than the men because they can't, you know, they don't hit it as high with as much spin. uh, So they got to, they have to come in different angles and, and, you know, do some of those things. But um, yeah, I don't know. The other big story was the gal who qualified out of Somerset here in Minnesota, Tardy. Yeah. She got T4. She was the, she was from Alabama. She was a local qualifier here in Minnesota or sectional qualifier for women uh, at Somerset. And she was the day two leader, I believe. Yeah. So, well, I thought I should touch on that. I think, uh, I think the women uh, definitely deserve to have that recognition as, as it was fun to, I mean, they're the fun to watch and in the venue that Pebble Pebble beach is, it's always a pleasure to watch that golf course in a, in a major atmosphere. So they have, and they have some big events coming up Their Their U S open schedule for women is really good. Um, they play at Lancaster next year, but then they go to Aaron Hills. Um, they got Interlochen coming up. They have Chicago Golf Club for the U.S. Women's Open one year, which nobody ever gets to see. So they got some really good golf courses coming uh, for the for the women uh, coming up in the next decade or so. Well, we better apply to those media passes. Yeah, we're gonna get to get the oh Chicago Golf Club for sure. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of uh, golf courses, touch on the golf course that is in going to be happening at the Scottish Open this week as we get prepared for the Open Championship. Mike, do you want to talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, Renaissance Club. Second best golf course right around there, in my opinion, uh, and the opinion of a lot of people. <laughs> I, I, That's a, the newest. A lot, a lot, well, it's the newest, but North Berwick, the old course, which they, they can't play on. It's too short. Uh, you've probably seen it on like the internet, the one that's got the stone fence, like on the 13th green, right, like right by the green, the stone wall. Um, that actually butts up to the Renaissance club, um, in, uh, you know, it's basically up there by like Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, but the Renaissance club's a Tom Doak, newer golf course, uh, pretty difficult. Uh, I think last year Xander won at like seven under, um, you know, and again, these golf courses, they are so dependent on the weather. The year before that Minwoo Lee won at like. 18 under, you know, it probably wasn't windy, but uh, fairly new golf course, Tom Doak. Um, 
you know, basically all the best players in the world are playing. You know, it's it's the prep for the Open Championship next week. Um, yeah, I, you and know, not, and to, it's not just well, watch. it's just not just prepping too for for golf. They're prepping their bodies for the yep. getting up and hitting. You know, getting their bodies acclimated to the to the change in time and stuff. So a lot of players take that uh, to their advantage and just try to get them mentally. And I don't, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things too. It's like, ah, I could, I could, I could imagine me as a professional golfer battling with the, do I want to win the Scottish open? Does it give me a, if I win this tournament, do I, do I kind of like lose my steam going into the tournament? That means more like I, I I know that they don't think that way, but I can just see like, uh, it's almost like uh, winning the par three contest at the Masters, right? It's, it's to to win that one and bounce back and win the Open seems to be a very tall task. So I don't, I don't, know, if ever, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Have they won both? I, no, no one's no one's ever. Well, the Scottish, so, I mean, Scottish and Open or the par three. No one's ever won the par three. No, no one's the par three. The Scottish and then, Open and the and the Open. I don't know, but yeah, they do pack up. Like I would when Tim and I were down there this weekend in Iowa, I was kind of going back and forth with. Uh, Zach Blair's caddy. He was maybe going to come play with us in Cedar Rapids, but he's like, "Oh, I got to catch an eight a.m. Char- or eight p.m. charter." And then I looked today, and they're over in Scotland playing. You know, so they went right from here to there, and they're practicing and whatever, and trying to get it all acclimated, I guess, to the uh, you know the time changes and all that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I love these two events. Love it. Get up in the morning, watch, co- drink some coffee, watch some golf. Great stuff. Hopefully, the weather looks fairly good for us fans a lot of rain and some wind uh which we love to see of course because it makes them look a little more mortal well let's make a pick somebody let's let's go around and have one person that we think is going to play well this week um at the scottish open i'm going to go off the board a little bit here all right timmy let's have you start all right well my gentleman played pretty well at detroit and uh even then he was prepared for the rain even that heat, even when it wasn't raining, which it did. I mean, to be honest, he was he was prepared when the rain did come down on on Sunday. Uh, but it looks like rain, and it looks like wind, and it looks like those black weather gloves are going to pay <laughs> off in his favor. I'm not oh, talking man. about Tommy Two Glove. I'm talking about Aaron Rye, who uh, did win this in 2020, but has a uh, a, a strong kind of stride. T3, T24, T9 in the last month so damn tim speaking of two gloves he was at the john deere we forgot to go he was in the field remember yeah yeah. we forgot to go find him oh man that's that that's a bummer right there we can't cover them all if if anyone's listening the next time we go to a tournament let us know who you'd like us to see cover the most Oh yeah, Aaron Rye is gonna. If it rains, he's gonna be. Everybody else is gonna be like, "Oh, these double gloves are just tough to." He's so prepared. He's so prepared. And everyone's everyone's done it. You put on like the the rain gloves and been like, "I can't feel my hands. Like I don't know where they are in space." Yeah, he beat Fleetwood in a playoff there. Probably raining. Well, I'll make my pick here. Um, I'm, you know. You've got all these statistics. You got past experiences. You got the. I, I'm kind of just going more off my gut here. I just want to pick a guy that's been playing pretty well. I always is kind of in the mix on, or at least has been in the mix on some of these bigger venues where you've got a lot of the big, big fields. And he's got you know a win under his belt this year. He plays played well at the Open Championship last year, um, and I expect him to play well this week. And that's Victor Hovland. You know, he hits a high ball, but I think you know he's such a pure. 
It's like the old story goes. I think it was uh, the story about Peter Quest. Basically, goes the way I hit the ball, the wind doesn't touch my ball. <laughs> you know, basically, uh, it doesn't Peter matter. Quest, I hit it. Yeah. So Peter Quest, by the way, played well again at John Deere. He for did. A while, so he, he, he didn't have a good Sunday though. He didn't have a good Sunday, he but he played Sunday. well, very well for the week. But yeah, the, Victor hits it so well that the the what wind, right? Well, the big question to me with Hovland is how long is it before? He's the second best Scandinavian in the world. I mean, it's it's probably not going to be that long before Ludwig gets put him. it away. Put it away. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about I, me. <laughs> I think Ludwig is playing. By the way, I think I saw he had a sponsor exemption in the Scottish, maybe. Um, so okay, I I've been deep diving into all these Ryder Cup numbers and this article that's never ending that I should publish at some point in time, which I will. But I'm going to also go with my gut. And this is going to be a guy who has not played well. He's 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 outside the top 12 in the U.S. Ryder Cup standings. But this week, the band has been back together a little bit, except for Smiley. We haven't yep. seen a Smiley sighting yet in uh, London. Uh, and we and they have the wives. They don't have the spring break 2016 group. They got the wives this time. But the band is back together. Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. They're at there. They've been at oh Wimbledon. They've been at bars. They've been wherever. Spieth uh, clearly doesn't know how to dress himself properly, even when he's not wearing underwear, because he's wearing like wrinkly clothes and all these pictures. Where the other two are like dapper as can be. I saw. I saw. Uh, I saw a tweet that said something about Jordan saving his irons for the for the open. <laughs> yeah. Did you see it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, how can you? You know, this is going to be seen by the whole yeah. world. Like, like he looks terrible. But anyway. <laughs> I'm going to take Justin Thomas. He has been bad. I know he's been bad, but if the wind picks up, he fights a golf ball about as well as anybody. Uh, And I just think, A, he's too good to play this bad forever this year. And B, he needs it. Like, he needs to play well. Like, otherwise, he's going to... I I still think they'll pick him for the Ryder Cup no matter what because he's 16-5-1 in his career in Ryder Cup President's Cup. He's a match play god. But um, he needs to play well. We're going to go with this week. Being the do you week. think? Um, do you think slower greens favors favors a, a, a kind of a struggling putter? Maybe I don't know. I, I think it depends on what you're struggling with. You know, I think I, guys yeah. who are struggling with um, pace, it might. But if they're struggling with getting it a low, I think if it's if it's the line and the read, they don't want wobbly putts, you know, that go all over the place. They want pure ones that just run nice. I don't know. I just, I I don't I don't know why he's struggling so much. I just I, he's he's so talented. I don't know. Um, well, he's not hitting his irons as well, so it's that's putting more pressure on his putter, and then his putter's not great. So I think the other thing that in in a weird way might help him is he's looking at his buddy Ricky Fowler have all the success playing really well. And Jordan's played, you know, up and down, but better, you know, I got to think that motivates Justin Thomas at some point to start, you know, whatever he's got to do is if it's a mental thing or whatever to, to get going here, because he's been really bad, like really bad. So even Smiley's got a role. Smiley's got a role in, in media now. Like he's even making some name for himself. Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe a different continent will help JT over there but uh yeah he kind of needs it i don't know but i'm gonna just take a gut throw it out there that if it's the weather's bad he might play well wouldn't surprise me if he does put it that way 
Well, anything else from the the golf world before I talk a little bit about this uh, tournament yes. that I that I entered? DP World Tour of the Netherlands. Oh, folks. You know, big big event here. Just like I talked about some Ryder Cup hopefuls last week. One of them pops up and wins in a playoff. Uh, Rasmus Hoygaard. Keep an eye out. Could be a Luke Donald pick. Good player. Four wins in the last few years on the DP World Tour. Better than his other his twin brother. Um, but uh, Robbie Mack made a triple bogey. <laughs> it just kind of imploded. And Rasmus jumped up there for his fourth win. So could be a Ryder Cup player. It's possible. All right. Okay. Now we go. Does mean anything else? Well, I, I, do I bring up Hazeltine, Spring Hill, or are we going to just leave Cedar Rapids and Davenport to themselves? Yeah, you've had it's quite a, a week. It's been Tim, a busy you, week, folks. Tim, I don't think you want to bring up Hazeltine. No, 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 no. I'm going to bring up, do not buy this Rickson Z-Star ball. <laughs> do Is not what, do it. They do it not. They don't. You would have to hit this in the vacuum of space to make it go anywhere. Tim, it just does not. Okay. Oh my God. So, in Tim's defense, we played the back tees at Hazeltine, not like the very, very pro tee, but the back, like where the tee boxes were out, in on a really windy day. And Tim was hitting these. I, I, I commented to him multiple times, like that was really spinny, like this, these floating, like two hundred and like thirty yard drive. So bad. This went nowhere. So bad. And I switched. I switched to that Pro V of what on on sixteen. I'm like, oh my god, that's in the water, and it went two sixty. So it's the golf ball matters, folks. Just pay attention <laughs> if if it if it's not if it's not going anywhere, if it's floating, just just reel it back in, change the ball, go to a different brand. It's not it's not for you. So, uh, so I wasn't sure if we we're going to bring those up. I do have to bring up that the break 80 podcast is leaving again as if we're not tired enough as if Detroit wasn't we are, enough, we are, as if yeah, the quad we're... cities weren't enough. Now we're going to Vegas and we're going to St. George. So we're going to bring you some, uh, some content from up there coming next week uh, around black desert, around Wolf Creek, around sand hollow, Cascada, Paiute, and possibly copper rock, depending if we die or don't die in the 114, I was going to say there's a, there's a, there's a possibility that the break might, might be either taking a few <laughs> weeks off. Well, Jeff looks for a new, looks for new people or just a one man show because the forecast is yeah. just horrific. 113 degrees on Saturday. We're playing out there at black desert. <laughs> a lovely game. Opposite. And I love the game opposite of uh, the Scottish <laughs> open. Uh, all of that being said, if you have not subscribed, please do to the podcast. Uh, also check us out on BRK 80 break 80.com. Uh, and make sure to jump on our sub stack because I think I'm not sure, Mike, you're coming out with the Ryder cup one. I think yeah. we're going to do an Iowa golf trail one with Davenport country club, Cedar Rapids and Wakanda all included in an article. Uh, we'll, and then we'll, we'll have a few coming out here, a bunch of them, yeah. Yeah, and then I'll have a how-to on watching PGA Tour events because two different varied uh, varied layouts between uh, Detroit Golf Club and between uh, Deer Run in how you walk, how you watch, how you can follow golfers around the two because one's very hilly, very spread out. The other one's very flat, very easy to 
to find your way around, but with a confusing map. So be on the lookout for those. Speaking of that, before we move on, Jeff, to your tournament, I, I totally forgot, Tim. You just triggered my memory talking about fans and everything. One of my favorite moments from the whole John Deere was Doc Redman. <laughs> Doc Redman's on this hole, <laughs> on this hole, and he's uh, not playing well. He missed the cut. Great vibe going, though. He's got, like, joggers on with, like, a hipster hat and just, like, a big, like, Doc Holiday mustache from Tombstone. Looking great out there. And uh, he misses a green on a par four short, and he chips it, like, just a very standard, easy chip. You know, he chips it, like, seven feet past. And then he makes the comeback putt, and uh, this, like, total Iowan guy in jeans. Go ahead, Tim. Give Yeah, give the Iowa look, Tim. This guy's got jeans, work, not, according to Tim, these were not work cowboy boots, these were dress cowboy boots. Those the dress boots, yep. And a polo tucked in with a belt, and he goes great up and down. And Doc Revan's like two strokes from being cut. You know, just terrible chip made the putt. He looks over and does like a weird like hand motion, like really, really. <laughs> the guy has never watched golf, is what you're saying. So, so we talked, well, to, Doc he just, we talked to Doc Redman he, afterwards, and we sh- I should have invited him out for a beer. He was he was getting like the uh, the stretch lab going or whatever the masseuse, but he was a cool guy. He talked to his little. He's coming to the three AM. He did, he did. And I go, uh, I go, Doc. You know, good round out there. Uh, I think I commented a little bit on his style. Love the laid back style. We appreciate that. And we get done like briefly chatting, and Mike goes, "It wasn't a good round." I go, "What do you want, Mike? What do you want? Do you want me to tell me to play like ass? <laughs> like, yeah. hey, Doc." Yeah. You need a cigarette and a beer. You played like ass. We're about to go out. <laughs> the first one. I think Doc would appreciate your honesty. Tim. One's on us. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we're not giving. Well, we might give him the massage. Who knows, <laughs> Doc? If you're listening, hopefully Doc listen, remembers the Break Eighty podcast when he comes into town in a few weeks. Oh, if you're coming at three m. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Now you can talk about the tournament. I had to well, it's <laughs> all right. Um, I uh. I stepped on my comfort zone and I wanted to enter a tournament. I know Mike has played in, in, in one of these up North. There's these, these up North tournaments and tournaments out West that in Minnesota that are, are kind of big deals and they're big deals to the, to the people, to the golf course that host them, um, you know, to the legends that have played in them for many years. And I wanted to kind of enter this just to kind of see what one of these is like. I've had a buddy that's played in a lot of these and um, he's been playing in this one for a while now, probably 10, 15 years. And, so I decided that I want to, you know, see if I can get the invite and and uh, and go and play in it and just see and feel what these things are like. And I stepped out of my comfort zone. I got the invite. I decided to do it. And it was uh, it's the Cloquet Invitational. It is the 92nd year of the Cloquet Invitational. This is the 100th year of the golf course. Um, I know we have a pod out there that um, that Tim and Mike talked about as they had yep. played Northland and then came down and played um cloquet uh on their way down and and talked about the course a little bit and i was not part of that um you know the trip i played northland with them but i i had no idea much what this golf course was like i i didn't really know going into it you know i asked my buddy and he of course he gives me a little bit of stuff but it wasn't you know a lot and and i showed up on thursday and and just trying to get a feel they they give you a free practice round which i thought was really cool you just got to sign up for a time and they let you kind of go around and and drop balls and, and practice. And um, I, I found out very quickly that this golf course is going to be a test. And, uh, you know, going into the tournament, 
you haven't been playing that great. You know, that's that's not it's heavily documented on the podcast. I think that I haven't been playing all that great. So, so this golf course, you know, it, it's it. Uh, I knew it was going to be a test for me because not only do I have to play this golf course that I think has an OB stake on, uh, I think I counted twelve of the eighteen holes. Um, it also has red hazard stakes on many of the holes on the other side of the of the, of the hole. So you're you're looking at problems in lots of places and um it uh you know having to play something for 54 holes this is a 54 hole stroke play um event and i saw that this golf course is going to present some issues if you're a little squirrely so that was you know my first kind of impression of the golf course i i I, you know they say that donald ross kind of worked on the front nine and, and had some part of it whether he you know was out there designing it or whether he just gave him the plans and somebody else kind of did all the work on it, but um, apparently he's the front nine, and then Jeff go uh, or not Jeff, it's uh, Joel Grossstrand. Yep, Joel, Joel is the is the back nine, so it is a tale of two nines, which I, you know, it's the other thing. It's like you get through the one nine, you got to kind of get a different headspace going into the backside. Is they're they're a little bit different, but um, anyways, uh, you know, it's one of those tournaments. I'll I'll talk about I play, but it, it's got a it's got a Calcutta, so you play one round and then they start selling people uh you have to finish in the top six gross the last two rounds to to get paid out um they have a long drive competition i thought that was really cool um on hole two they basically tee off from the green and go backwards um they have a long putt contest uh i think that's one one takeaway it's uh a couple things actually you know one of the takeaways is they they uh the tradition you know there's there's a lot of i teed off on sunday with a guy that is 76 years old and still plays in the champ flight. And the reason why is he's just a competitor. You know, do I think he will, he went, he will win it? No, but he's won 70 something amateur tournaments up North. I mean, he's an absolute legend. And I just got to know like that. Some of these guys out there are like this and they've played in so many of these. And it's such a big deal that uh, it, it uh, kind of shook me. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an incredible you know, venue, they've got lots of space there. They've got kind of the clubhouse separate from where you can, the restaurant and, and the bar scene, they've got a fantastic patio that a lot of people can hang out on. They've got a fireplace uh, pit uh, pit out there that people sitting around having drinks, not to mention the cocktails and the drinks and all that stuff was like, you know, you get, you you buy a round for somebody, you're thinking you got to pay like 40 bucks and it costs like, $14 $14 for, you know, so it's like the, the prices were awesome. Um, you know, and then, and then on top of that, you, the people that I met, my goodness, I mean, these, these, not only there's some really, really good golfers that play in this. I mean, let's, let's be honest. These are, you know, numerous plus handicap players, uh, that have played college golf that play these tournaments for, they just, that's the golf they play. They don't play with their buddies. They don't play, you know, on a Saturday, they're playing these kind of tournaments that that's the golf that they love. And, and, um, you know, you meet some of these guys and, and, uh, you know, you make some connections and, and I think that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to try it. I just wanted to see and meet some new people. And I did, um, you know, in terms of my, my play, uh, you know, I, I, I had a lot of good takeaways, you know, I, uh, like I said, like I'm stepping into this comfort zone of this really, really hard golf course playing a stroke play. I think this golf course isn't great for stroke play. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's a great stroke play golf course. I think it's a fantastic 
match play. And if you do the flights, that's what they do. They do match play in, in some of the flights and then they kind of end it with the stroke play, but um, it makes things really difficult. And some of the things that I think I did really well, like um, I striped three shots off the first tee, you know, in front of everybody as they're watching, as you're teeing off. And then the tee box, for those that don't know, are right is right there by the putting green, by the driving range. It's like, and you're exposed, you're right there. Everybody kind of stops and watches everybody hit. And I hit three really good shots in front of a lot of people. And that kind of, you know, made me feel pretty good. Um, I only missed two probably putts inside five feet, which I thought was pretty good for me. Um, I had some really bad holes and I was kind of proud of how I bounced back from a bad hole. Cause you know, once you have a bad hole in stroke play, you basically, your body just kind of wants to give up. Let's be honest. You, you kind of think you're already out of it. Why do you want to keep playing? But you have no choice. You've got uh, another hole to play. So I, I was kind of proud of that. Uh, short game was pretty solid. Broke 80 the first round. I played with my first round I played with. And this is like Vegas would not have me as the favorite. Let's be honest. Uh, it was the guy that won it was in my group. Uh, Jeff Cannon, my buddy, who's probably like a two. And then um, a kid that's going to Mankato that took second state was in my group. And I took second uh, in that group. I thought was was pretty good. But uh, lots to learn. I, I took a 10 uh, on a hole and I took uh, an eight on a hole and it was double OB balls. So I don't know if you guys have ever reloaded twice. <laughs> which which <laughs> holes were those? Fun. Which, which holes were, yes, yes, I have actually. I've, I've done it four times, but uh, which holes were those on? Um, the first time I did it was the second round on hole five and it's not that it's just a dead straight ball. Like you just got to hit a dead straight ball. You just can't lose it a little right or lose it a little left. It's, it's right there in front of you. It's hole five. It's a par five and and right is out of bounds and left is a hazard. So it's one or the other. If you don't hit it straight, you're in one. And and usually the guys favor the left side for obvious reasons, right? Well, I was going to get up there and I had this mental thing where it's like, I'm just going to strafe it dead down the center. I'm not going to look left or right. I'm going to pretend like that's not even there. And I can't tell you how quickly my first ball went right. Um, Very fast did a hook out of bounds. And then I did the same thing a second time thinking that I wasn't going to do that again. And then my left last one was way left. So I was like, you know, how do you come back from a, a feeling like that is just really hard. And then, you know, you take a 10 when you put a double, number on a scorecard uh i can't tell you how deflating that is that's like you just feel like you you know why are you playing golf why am i in a tournament if i'm taking a 10 you think about back to like your you know your players on your golf team and they take 10s like what do you say to them right it's like how did you do that um so you know with that being said i i shot 78 83 85 that was my three scores the last day was brutal for for conditions super windy lot not a lot of good scores from a lot of good players. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I did it, had a great time. Um, you know, I don't know if that, you know, that, that, that course is necessarily for me, you know, playing that again was stressful. They had like, uh, I can't remember some, some of the guys are telling me like some of the nickname for the golf course. It's basically something with blowups, you know, blow up holes here and there. In fact, I got texted um, my buddy's group on Sunday on hole 11. This is their four scores. Now, granted, keep in mind, these are the champ flight. These are probably everybody's at least 
probably under a four or five handicap for sure, if not three or two. But these are the four scores that they took on hole 11. Three eights and and an 11 is what they took on on a hole. And and so if you get a certain wind out there, it's really hard to hold the ball. Um, And that was so dry that I can't tell you how many really bad bounces some of these people that I played with got to get an out of bounds or to get in a hazard. It's like you miss the green by a foot and it kicks to the right, it's going to go all the way across the car path and out of bounds or in the hazard. So, yeah, it was tough, um, but it was fun. You know, I, I, I'm I starting to really more embrace the feel of, you know, tournament golf and, like, people watching you. Like, I had people driving and watching me play. Like, I don't know why. They didn't know me or – I don't know. It was just, like – Podcast start- famous. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. – They want to mentioned- see if you're going to break 80. They actually mentioned that at the Calcutta. I don't know. They were, like – <laughs> trying to sell me. I don't, I don't know. It's like, don't buy me, but they're trying to sell me with that. I'm like, dude. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I, I don't fun in, in terms of, of uh, giving it a shot. I don't, I don't think always the golf was fun because it was really hard and it's like, you can't ever get on a tee box and feel comfortable. You know, you've got a couple of tee boxes that don't have a, a stake on it. I think there's like two or three. So like you have that comfortability, but there's no like wide open, I can, I can birdie this hole kind of a vibe. And so, so that's kind of the, the, the story. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to shout out, uh, and, and, and give big thanks. Uh, uh, you know, these guys that put on the tournament, you know, this, this Bill Manahan, uh, Manahan, I think is how you say it. He's been running this tournament for years. Um, uh, Matt Carlson, I think is the guy that kind of you, you guys, Matt out there, he kind of does a lot of help with running the tournament. Um, Judd Christ is the the superintendent who did his best to, to get that golf course ready and in shape. So I would encourage anybody that, you know, is a decent golfer to try one of those ones. And all Mike can probably vouch for the Birchmont, uh, another Fantastic. tournament that happens up there in, the, in Bemidji. You've got the resorters over in um, Alexandria, and then you've got Pine the Pine to Palm in uh, in Detroit Lake. So these are four really huge. And I think Tim did an interview with with the Amateur.com guy. And, and these tournaments are are very you know widely known in the state, if not the big region. And, and who knows, some people maybe even play them, you know, across the country that that have heard of them. So I don't know. I'd encourage you to try once. Uh, I, they're in invites. I don't know how that all works. You know, Mike, I don't know how the Birchmont works, but I know that you have to kind of apply to to try to yeah, get in. Yeah, they're. They're getting to be harder and harder to get into because so many more people are doing them. Um, years ago, the burst like the Birchmont, you get you can get in. You know, you know it's it's the last. I've, I I had to withdraw again this year because it's the same week as the 3M, and we'll be doing all the 3M stuff. So I had to call up there a few weeks ago and say, "Hey, I can't come. It's the 99th annual Birchmont this year. Next year's the hundredth, but." I'll probably be blacklisted now because I've withdrawn the last two years because of our, our podcast <laughs> at the 3am. So, um, but those are the, the big three resort tournaments are the Birchmont and Bemidji. That's the first one. Then they go to Alexandria, the resorters, and then the Pine to Palm, but they, um, they fill up quick. Like the Birchmont this year filled up the first day I was in Iowa golfing and I had to like, literally they did like a, it opens at 10 o'clock sign up boom it's all filled out so i don't know if it's because more people are if golf's becoming more popular or whatever there's a big one in mankato where we played the the krugel or klugel whatever yep, it is yeah yep. that's an invite only i don't yeah i don't know 
people so is like isn't there vandersloos on bemidji too as well vandersloos yeah that's at the uh that's at the end that's at the end of summer on the holiday weekend okay. for uh, was it memorial day that's yeah. a stroke play the vandy's a stroke play the birchmont is two rounds of stroke play then match play once you get into once you okay. qualify in so that's more fun match play that's a really good but i'm sure Cannon told you about that a little bit but yeah um great golf course we'll together we'll together with the pod yeah, so I I guess in closing too, one thing I forgot to mention that I was I want I I really do think in tournament golf your your grouping your pairing has a big, you know you're with them for a long time it's usually a bit slower round and it's like if your group is fun and encouraging and you know like talks to you or you know I, I guess I need that I need a little bit of interaction because that's kind of why I'm playing it like I'd like to meet you like who are you like. Tell me a little bit about your story. I just don't like uh, a stoic person that's just out there just to win tournaments and not, you know, you, you can't deviate from your plan of, of, you know, having a conversation. So I think I tend to play better with the groups that I'm with that are a little bit more outgoing, um, you know, willing to talk to me, get to know me a little bit, um, ask questions and, you know, like take my mind off golf. Like I don't want to sit there and walk to my ball when nobody wants to talk to me. And I have to think about golf, right? If I can talk to you about something, it could be about golf, but not about, you know, my particular shot coming up or whatever. I think that's a big part of um, tournament golf. And the other takeaway I had is um, I was super timid. And Mike, maybe you can relate to this too from your, from your putting, but I was super timid from like 15 feet. I just, or, you know, 20 feet. Like I, I, I always would leave it like three feet short instead of, three feet past. Right. So it's like, if you, if you leave it three feet short, yes, I made, I made a ton. I think I three putted twice all week. So like I didn't three putt like ever, but I never gave a lot of these putts chances. And I think I need to start learning how to get past the whole three feet and then make my three footer instead of being short three feet, five feet, and then have to make a putt. Why not get past three feet, five feet? Because then you have a, a chance to actually have your putt go in and B you get to see the line, right? So, you know, once it passes the hole, you see what the ball does. And so like, there's a lot of advantages to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think it's hard to be aggressive in tournament play because everybody doesn't want a three putt, right? So you kind of try to lay up some certain putts and I got to get more aggressive. That's what I got to start doing. Yeah. Well, especially with birdie putts, like yeah, that's the one that killed me. Like usually if you have, if you have a 15 or 10 foot of a par, like I find myself getting that one to the hole. Cause I'm like, I need to make this par. But the birdie putts, we were like, well, I guess if I just, you know, die in the hole and leave it short, then I'll make my par. And those are the ones that kill me when you don't get the birdie, when your your sp- speed is terrible on the par or the birdie putts, you're leaving them way short. Part of it, I think, is you're just trying to, you're trying to, it's like you're laying up almost for that par, that easy par, which is the worst mindset ever. Well, I think your mindset is don't walk away with bogey, right? It's like make par. You know, it's not make birdie, it's make par or, you know. Uh, give yourself, allow yourself permission to make a birdie. Like I find myself, like I stuffed it till three feet on hole one on Sunday to start. And I'm thinking I'm going to, and then I missed my putt. Like that was one of my missed five footers that I, you know, on inside five feet. It's like, I almost didn't give myself permission to make a birdie to start my round. Like, would that be, why would I want to start with a birdie? Like, it's like, why do I have this weird, like mindset, you know, in, in tournament golf, like just freaking nut it and just put it in the hole and move on. Um, so I find myself just thinking weird things to in tournament play. I don't know why, but, um, yeah, so it's, I'm learning a lot about myself. I think, uh, you know, that tournament, you know, showed me my deficiencies in my game. Um, 
you know, I'm not straight as you need to be. You know, I think Brian Moore's and shout out to Brian Moore's. Uh, he's a guy that I knew graduated Monticello one year older than me, won the tournament. And I played the practice round with him the last nine holes. He, he drove in his cart, met up with me and my other buddy and played nine holes with him. And I was just learning so much from him. You know, he's got such a simple swing. He still hits the ball really far, but he's got a great attitude. His mindset is just so much different than mine when it comes to tournament golf. Now he's done a lot of it. Let's be honest. He's a better player than me. He's played a lot of these things, but like he's the way he thinks is way different than the way I think when I step on a tee box or when I step over a putt, like it's not even close. Wait, what? There's, he doesn't have the negative self-talk. He doesn't, he doesn't talk. Well, to himself. you know, it's, it's really, I think part of it is just his skill set, right? He doesn't really have a ball that moves a ton left or right. It's just pretty much straight. So when he steps on, a, he's not really seeing white stakes. Like I am, you know, like I, I just can't, is I have a hard time getting white stakes out of my head, you know, when they're there. Cause I know one bad swing is going to be a disaster. Well, so here's my question to you when it comes to that. Why didn't you put the driver away? It's not a very long golf course. It's pretty short. Like, why didn't you just put the driver away? Were you hitting everything? Like you don't have the conference, but, the two iron well, or something. But here's the thing. And this, I have told this to my, my golfers. I said, I, I can hit um, in my opinion, besides hole one. And I did stripe three shot, three, three irons to start the day. I mean, that was a lot of confidence with that, but some of these are, are par fives. It's like, all right. So, so what kind of mindset does that tell me? Like I can't hit a driver on a par five. I mean, it's, it's wide. It's dead straight. It, they're, I just, they're very wide. I, I just have to hit the fairway. I just have to yeah, hit it, but you know, it's, and I can hit an iron off that, but like, what is that? What mindset does that teach me in a, in a tournament? play you know venue it's like i i gotta go get it like i gotta be able to step on this tee box and hit this shot and i did some i honestly did i i did first day i stripe on five i stripe it on six like i'm i'm kind of like in my game and 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 i did it and i know i can do it um i don't think i was even thinking white stakes to be honest i just know that naturally my body doesn't let my brain yeah i mean you can't so i mean like whole five is fairly well why you just you just hit you must have really yanked it right but like yeah it's dry though too like it, if it if it misses a little right it's right but that's one of my takeaways and you'll see like, like when you when we have the for the 3m we have the media passes we'll see what kind of you know how much more closer we can get a, i think one of the takeaways from watching some of the pros is they're obviously they're great um but they also play the percentages like 17 was kind of a dog leg left they all hit like three woods or it's par five. They weren't just banging driver. They just get it in the fairway and they understand that um, once the tee shots in the fairway, then they can hit the three wood on the second shot, you know, or whatever to get up there. It's not all about it's for to them. I think they have a opposite, opposite mindset that we do sometimes, you know, we're always trying to munch off as much distance we can on the first shot on the tee shot where mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to get the tee shot into position to hit the second shot, even if it's farther. Like, like for instance, like 17 at, at Deer Run, there is really no trouble up by the green. So they can they can lay back on the tee shot and then just rip the three wood up there somewhere by the green. Uh, or even like uh, probably the first hole at Deer Run we were watching, you know, like the short hitters like Zach Johnson and Strillman at driver. Everybody yeah. else could hit driver and try to cut the corner probably over the bunker, but they don't, they hit, you know, just like a driving iron or threw it out to the fairway. They, they hit it to high percentage shots places. 
Now, obviously, they have a lot more confidence with longer irons and whatever, but they don't take as many risks, I guess, sort of, you know, trying to always hit driver as yeah. your average, you know, everyday player does. They just get it in position where it's safe, um, you know, more than I think the average fan thinks. Yeah, I think my my for me, it's part of it is just I think long irons and hybrids and three woods are kind of my weakness. I guess I I hit my wedges my nine iron, my, even my eight iron really well. I stuffed a couple shots that had some really tough pin placements and I went right at it, put it to five, six, seven feet. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of it is I need to get those clubs in my hands because if I can, um, those are going to allow me to, you know, hit my shot. Whereas like I can hit a four iron just as squirrely as I can hit a driver, you know, sometimes. So it's like, to me, I'd rather get more squirrely and get more distance out of it than, hit a really bad four iron and, you know, now I've got, you know, and hole five specifically, like if I go way back, there's a hill there and it's really like, I can't shoot anything. I don't have a card. I'm walking. So I have no idea what distance to hit. You know, those, those kinds of things would be, I'd have to hit like a three wood into a narrow layup with out of bounds to the right trees to the left. So there's all these things where it's like driver for the most part was my only club I could hit. That made sense for me at the time so i don't know maybe i need to get a caddy or something and let's be honest driver's more fun <laughs> yeah, well it's the biggest club face i have right so it's like yeah. i have the best chance to hit the best shot i think with my driver but like i think when i'm playing and not necessarily a tournament just playing depending on the golf course there's a lot of days where i leave and i'm like if i would have just left my driver in my car and just hit my two iron which i'm fairly good with I would have scored way better just by getting it in play. Like just but get you hit it your in. two iron though, but you hit it 260, 270, 275. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, that's true. That's different game than me. True, but I hit it fairly straight. You know, usually somewhere in play, like just getting it in play, I think is a really I don't know. You're our, our average players like us just don't think that way. Like those guys think, you know, they they think safety first off the tee because they're so good with all the clubs and you know, they don't they'll they'll this they understand that getting out of position off the tee really makes the hole difficult mm-hmm. uh way more difficult than getting it up there as far as you you know getting it up there in the trees as far as you can because you hit driver when you didn't need to or something they're very good at at just getting the first shot in play and then going from there uh, which i think is a really big thing for a lot of people that with you know like you would you see it coaching all the time. Every kid takes driver on every single par four and every single par five because they think they have to when they don't. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I hear you say I I also at times when I'm not feeling it think that exact same thought. This driver has the biggest club as I got, and I can't <laughs> I'll, I'll at least hit it yeah. in the air. It's just yeah. gonna go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and I did I did hit fear, I did hit a lot of irons. Like I hit iron, I think on the gold strand side, I only hit driver on 10 and 11. That's it. That's it. I hit irons off to every other par four or par five. Even 16, I hit iron every day, every day except one. I think you just need to trick yourself into, you got to do what Tim does. Trick yourself into thinking it was an, actually a good tee shot like he did at Hole 2 at Cedar Rapids. <laughs> just blast it, through, blast it through an oak tree and then, and then tell yourself yeah. it was a great shot. <laughs> it was great. It was great contact. All right. <laughs> the tree should not have been there. I, I actually, I was going to share this too. So I texted my, um, I, I thought this was kind of funny. I texted my buddy, like, cause you know, we like, so 
we have this thread. It's just the three of us, and all three of us played in this tournament. So I, I sent this text and said, um, you know, is it normal uh, to basically feel like you? I think I said like, is it normal to feel like you played well, but yet you, you know, suck at golf? Like you feel like you hit some really good shots, but you're walking away feeling like you're really bad at golf, right? Yeah. And he like came back. Day. And he came back That's, and said, yeah, exactly. That's me. I was telling myself that like at Cedar Rapids, I was like, God, I'm so bad. I've hit it so good, but like, like still I'm just bad. And then he said, uh, I said, was that normal? And he said, um, no, that's not normal. What's normal is totally reassessing your life and your priorities after this. Tournament. <laughs> so you well, can yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people walk away from this tournament with like, uh, that, that was brutal, you know, cause I think it's just a hard, hard deal. And so anyways, well, I- Mike, were you picking up crochet after this weekend? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, Did you quit? I was telling, I was telling Tim at Cedar. Not, I mean, I was just joking because I was having a blast because Cedar Rapids Country Club is sweet. But I was putting so bad, just fucking awful. Like I don't even know what. Like I, well, I had the I hopped on the Odyssey trend this week. You know, I hopped on, I hopped, hopped okay. on the Counterbalance Odyssey trend with Ricky and Wyndham and everybody. I didn't buy the Jailbird, but I had one in my garage. And at Hazeltine, I didn't hit it very good, but I putted pretty well. So it felt good. And then I hit it good at Davenport and Cedar Rapids and couldn't make anything. So I told Tim I'm taking up crocheting with my daughter. <laughs> just to have something yeah. to occupy my mind. But uh, it is. I had the exact same thoughts because at like uh, both rounds, you know, I hit it pretty well. I hit 12 greens in regulation and I hit 13 greens in regulation at Cedar Rapids, but both no, Cedar Rapids was, or no, Davenport was bad. I missed from the middle of the fairway from 60 yards out on par fours. I missed two greens, like just awful over the back, back pins, just stupid flying along, made bogey on both, made double on one and made mm-hmm. bogey on the other. Like, like three to four, two to three shot swings for sure on the overall score just from being stupid and like just being inconsistent with like little half wedges, mm-hmm. it just makes you want to just, just quit golfing. Like, just like, yeah. how can you be this? How can you hit such a good drive to be in this perfect position and then be so bad with a different aspect of the game? It just makes, it's just frustrating. That's, but that's, that's the essence of golf. Like at the highest level, you watch the pros just like screw up. Like how do they do that? Like how does Nick Hardy uh, warming up, just shank a bunker shot and almost kill a volunteer. Like, they do. It just happens. I don't. I, don't, it's, it's I mean, it's it's a maddening game. How do you go OB and then go OB again and then have to go walk to your bed to eat another ball? Now that is not fun. <laughs> like reloading a third time is your mind is spinning. Like it's it's like wow, this could go really really bad right now. So that was an experience in itself. But yeah, that that's the point where I wanted to, to quit. After I have to drop a third tee ball and and say hit, it, but then you hit some sort of shot or like chip, Tim chips in for eagle and yeah you hit a yep. good you hit a you hit an exhilarating shot and the game just sucks you back in. Yep, I did. Works. I hit some amazing iron shots. Like I'm really happy where my iron game is playing. It's just you know I can't get there if I'm not in play. So, anyways, that's uh that's a little bit about uh, the Cloquet invite. Uh, yeah, good good people, good time. And uh, yeah, congrats again to to Brian Morris, who I think beat um, uh, Colquist, I think is the last name, by one shot uh, 
So yeah, they actually, it's like, uh, I've actually listened to the final round on the radio on the way home. So they have, yeah, they televise, they they read, not televise it, but they, but you can hear, you can listen to the entire final round and the final group on the radio, which is pretty cool. too. So they Birch love, they Birch, love their Birch, town. They're very Birch proud Birch of Birch it. Does that and pineapple. These small yeah. towns take a lot of pride in these tournaments. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I'm going to make a Substack article too, in my experience. And I just, you know, get that out there and, and, and uh, yeah, so I appreciate everybody at the, the staff there. And um, that's all I have from that. Anything else boys, before we uh, sign out, I know it's kind of a long one, but you know, that's what happens when you, when you go on golf trips, you want to watch uh you want to watch Tim and I fry like some bacon out there on the golf course, follow our social medias at uh, Timothy Corlett and short set of golf Instagram. Cause it's going to be hot as shit when we are out in the uh, snake season out there. That's my question. I don't know. It's probably too hot. They're probably in the, the high. Last, the last time I checked the three days we're playing, the highs were 111, 110 and 113 <laughs> degrees. Mm. And mm, our no. first round, our first round is not in the morning. It's like eleven twenty to whatever time that'll be. It's gonna be so hot. Well, let's you just hope you don't shoot. The, don't shoot the temperature. No, the ball's yeah. gonna ball's gonna fly out there in that heat in that heat and altitude. You better find some melon in here. So. Tim's gonna Tim's gonna be hitting the shricks on at least two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we're not gonna be sponsored by shricks on. It's funny, I. Uh... He has a Strixon bought, uh, driver, but he doesn't believe in the ball. No, no, God, I bought the uh, the birthday boy some uh, some Pro V ones. I might I might exchange a couple of the sleeves for these uh, Strixons. Just kind of throw a, <laughs> throw a little curveball at him. Literally. Speaking of uh, sponsors and everything, you wouldn't believe, and I don't know if we sh- if we should divulge this on the on the podcast, but you would not believe it. You know, you hear the rumors, you know it's true. How many guys out there? have the head cover of the, whoever's paying them, you know, but aren't playing that club. Multiple guys had like, you know, a Strixon or a PXG or whatever head cover. But then when you're, when you're right there up close to them, you know, on the driving range, you're like, that's not a PXG or a Strixon <laughs> driver or whatever it is. They're nowhere near the same club that they're uh, paid to endorse. Interesting. Seems like a Tim move. Why'd you have to throw? Why'd you have to throw Strixon uh, out of the bus one time? We also saw a Wilson head cover, a Mizuno head cover, all without yeah. their their proper drivers. So I can tell you right now, our our U.S. Ryder Cup captain is not playing a PXG driver. That, that is not, even though the head cover is PXG. And how about this? Uh, Tim and I noticed this on the putting green. No longer putting with the Seymour putter, Zach Johnson. It's mm. a PXG putter that's made exactly like a Seymour. <laughs> sure. Like, like, like PXG fabricated one. It's like the same putter, but a PXG putter. Why they just spray so, paint it and then put PXG on it? It's possible. So patent, patent attorneys out there <laughs> for Seymour, go get them. Yeah, go get them. Get after them. Go check that bag out at the Scottish Open or wherever the hell he's playing. <laughs> wherever, wherever, he's, wherever he's laying up at a course near, nearby. <laughs> oh, my God. No respect. <laughs> All right. The difference between 7980 is everything. 
baby Today's the day I forgave you Want the ball to draw But it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80 It's the gold yeah, you hit it on one Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Break 80 